as promised here we are with back-to-back episodes more coming over the next couple of days um i'm really going back on this one for you guys this is this is an old interview um i did in the summer with kate scott uh kate is absolutely phenomenal she went to cal um went on to be the first woman to do a whole bunch of different things which you're going to hear about throughout this interview um and for kate it was never about being the first or uh setting the trend it was about doing something that she loved and you're going to hear her talk about that and i think it's absolutely amazing um you're going to hear some excitement for the football season since this was in the summer before the season began um and, and about some of the stuff she gets to do with calling football games so without further ado i can't wait for you guys to hear kate scott So I'm here today with Cal alum, uh, first sort of you know trailblazer in a whole lot of different industries and areas, <laughs> but not by choice, as we were just talking about. We'll get more into that, but I'm joined today by Kate Scott, uh, who does play-by-play stuff for local radio stations here in the Bay Area, as well as for Pac-12 Network, um, and all that stuff really started as, as far as I understand while you were here at Cal yeah so I kind of want to jump right in because I think it's so cool and so interesting but how did you become the first female mic man here at Cal um, and for people who are less familiar with Cal explain a little bit about the tradition of the mic man and, and <laughs> you know all, all the jazz surrounding that okay um well, Jake, first of all, thanks for having me. I love that you're doing a podcast. Oh, well, thank you so much for I've listened to some here, of them, yeah. so, so being here today with you is an absolute pleasure. Um, so yeah, the mic man, that's just short for microphone man. Um, you see yell leaders at other schools with the megaphones, uh, but here at Cal, um, since the late 80s, early 90s, we have had... Uh, until me, men on a microphone at the front of the football student section, um, also lead cheers at basketball games. Used to be Sansa microphone. Now apparently they have a microphone too, which I'll get into my feelings about that later, <laughs> off the show. Um, but yeah, so it's pretty much just the person who is leading the student section in cheers. Um, and I know that a, a woman tried it for a couple of months before I got here. I was here from 01 to 05. Um, and when I came to my first big game, it was my junior year of high school, mm-hmm. and I looked over at the student section, and I saw the guys in, uh, then it was white shirts and the blue and gold ties and the khakis firing up the student section. I just thought to myself, that is exactly what I want to do. I, I knew already that I wanted to come to Cal, and I knew that I wanted to do that. I had no knowledge that no women had done it before. I just thought, you know, those are the three or four guys who are doing it this year. Because I, at the time, was doing a similar thing at my high school. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah. So I grew up in the Central Valley of California, um, Clovis, which I like to say is the Texas of California when it comes to high school football. I know we're not, I know we're not <laughs> Texas, but, um, you know, our high school stadiums seat 10,000 people. And yeah. we've got five high schools in Clovis. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's always a couple of guys on each high school team in Clovis coming to play for one of the Pac-12 schools. Not enough coming to Cal these days, but... 
Uh, I'll work on that. Um, so I had been leading cheers at our high school football games for two or three years, and I wasn't a cheerleader. Uh, I, I was actually, I thought I was in trouble. I was leading cheers in the student section because I didn't think the cheerleaders on the blocks were doing <laughs> a good enough job. And the cheer coach, who was terrifying, like think Glee, Jane Lynch, yeah, sure. looks up in the student section and points at me and goes, you! come here, with like the finger towards her, and everybody thought I was like gonna get expelled my sophomore year of high school. Um, and instead, she just said, go do that on a microphone. So I got up on the blocks at a Clovis High football game and led cheers and yeah. fell in love with it. So I had already been doing You're it. Groomed for it. And then to come to my first big game, mm -hmm. huge college game in the Bay Area, and see that, oh my gosh, there was a very similar thing going on at the school I wanted to attend. I just knew once I got to Cal that I had to figure out how to do that. Yeah, so what's the selection process like when they're choosing uh, the, the next people to yeah. be Mike Men for whatever year? And did you feel like it was working as a disadvantage in any way to be the first female, or was it totally accepted by whoever was selecting? Uh, I wasn't sure. Yeah. Um, when, when I, so there's a written application. It, it could have changed because I'm old now. Um, so I applied, I think, in 2002, so it's been a while. Mm -hmm. But there was a written application, and you had to explain why you wanted to be a Cal Mike man. You had to explain your passion, as yeah. I know this uh, podcast is focusing on. And then there was a bunch of football questions. And then if you made it past the written exam, then they brought you in for an interview, which involved the person who was in charge of Spirit at the time and then all the other current Mike men. And they put you through more football tests, right? So third and five, offside, what's, what do you do? What's the penalty? What's the cheer? <laughs> because that's a big part of it. Because good Mike men, you have to know what cheer to do when. Um, so you have to know what's going on in the football field. Because sure. if you're saying... First and ten, do it again, go Bears, and it's second down. Like, what, what, make are, any what are you doing? Yeah. Um, so there was definitely, when I came in for my, I made it past the written part, and when I came in for my oral exam, that was one of the things they said. So we just want to let you know that we had a woman who tried a couple years ago, but it was really difficult for her, and she quit after a couple months because people weren't very nice to her. So are you okay with that? And I said, well, yeah, if you guys are okay with it, I'm willing to try. Like, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it through that. I have no idea what the reaction will be. But this is something I really want to try. I've been doing mm -hmm. this at high school. Like, this looks amazing. Leading cheers in front of a student section. Uh, so then after that, they narrow it down even further. And it's usually like the last non-conference game in the third quarter, kind of when there's that lull, as you know, as a football player, right. in the game a little bit. That's when they would try us out. So there would be a tryout then in front of the entire student section. You'd get, I think, one drive, maybe a little more if the drive was a three and out. And it was pretty much see how you do, see how the students react to you. And yeah. then later that night, the, the current Mike man would call you and let you know if you'd made it or if you hadn't. And I got super, cool. super lucky because, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I hope that I would have made it regardless, um, but always try to go after the guy that sucks. I'm sure you know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I went after a guy you look better. who messed up the Cal spell out. And as soon as he messed up the Cal spell out, I was like, I am in. This is awesome. <laughs> and uh, that's what worked out because I got a chance. The Bears scored on my drive and I got a chance to do a spell out crushed it and uh, then got to spend the last three years of my Cal career as a Mike man, which was great because it was when the team was really good. Tedford was here, yep. 
J-Dub, your coach now was linebacker's coach. Uh-huh. And uh, we used to, I don't know if he's told you this, we used to see each other because we'd be on the field leading cheers before the game. And I would point at him and he'd point at me. And <laughs> I didn't know that. We'd cuss at each yeah, other and be like, funny. go get a fucking win today, man. Let's crush this team. Sometimes, that's awesome. Sometimes we would chest bump because he was right out of school too. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's awesome. But the, the team was great then. Uh, Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. and everybody. So it was a it was a great time to be a Bear. So I want to go back to something you said about um, when they made sure you were okay with the position. Yeah. Did you experience any any of the stuff they said that uh, the first woman who tried it had a difficult time with? And if so, how how'd you deal with that? You know, I was really lucky. There was no Twitter and no Facebook yet. Mm. <laughs> Facebook started in my junior year of college, which uh, that makes me feel old every time I say <laughs> it. But the freedom that it allowed, um, I wish that you guys had as college students. I wish that there was no microscope and no cameras for you until maybe your senior year of college. Because in that aspect, it was kind of good in getting me ready for the outside world and things you can say and pictures you can't post and all those things. But, um, but no, I was really lucky for uh, a variety of reasons. The guys who were Mike men when I started were very protective. Um, so they always stood up for me. And then once I got to be one of our quote unquote head mic men when I was one of the veterans, we just had a great group. Um, ben and, and Dan and Brad um, were, uh, were still actually in touch, the, the three of us. We were just such a great group of uh, guys, and Alan QB too, um, who just kind of took care of me and didn't treat me any differently than anybody else. So we had a great time. And the student section, I have no idea why, but took really kindly to me. Um, so they would, <laughs> sometimes they would start chanting Mike Chick. They, they renamed me. <laughs> so they would just start chanting yeah. Mike Chick, Mike Chick. And uh, it was funny. Some of the older people were like, no, they're Mike Man. And I said, I don't care. As long as they're yelling and loud and having a good time, I don't care what they call me. So yeah. no, I, got, I got really lucky. That's awesome. Um, so how did your whole passion for sports it, just as a as a general thing, how did that begin? Because obviously you never would have been uh, at your high school yelling in the stands uh, or here at Cal trying to become a, a mic man if you didn't care for what was happening yeah. on the field. Yeah. So so where did that evolve from? So I love sports for some odd reason from the time I was a really young girl, and I. I wish I had a better memory because I try to pinpoint like the exact time, Mm -hmm. but the memory that I've uh, recounted a couple of times is when you're five or six and you can kind of start to wake up on your own and get your own like bowl of cereal or whatever so that your parents can sleep a little bit longer in the morning. I would do that and then I would go out into my living room and I would watch SportsCenter. And I don't know why, because my dad, like casual sports fan, grew up having me cheer for the Niners and the the Giants and the Warriors, all the Bay Area teams, and Fresno State, because that was our local squad. Um, And my mom enjoyed watching sports, too, when they were on, but there was never like a hardcore person in my family who loved sports but from a very young age I was drawn to watching sports and this is again when ESPN didn't have all the rights that they do now so I was watching like America's Cup sailing and they had bowling and they had Aussie they didn't even have rugby rugby they had Aussie rules football and just any sport I could watch I watched yeah and then any sport I could play I would play whether it was a recess I got really lucky that I grew up on a street 
full of kids, and there was mm-hmm. a lot of boys. I had a basketball hoop, a couple other kids did, so every day when you got home from school, it was like, okay, whose hoop are we playing on? We had bases spray-painted in the street so that we could play baseball. Um, so it, it was just kind of sports were a part of my life, and I had that as an option, and I loved it uh, because I had video games too, but there was rules around that. Um, so I just love sports. I played everything I could, and then when I got to high school, I was playing, obviously, much more seriously and was planning on being a a student athlete like you. But uh, a knee injury derailed that. And uh, a student advisor, Mr. Schmazel, who was our activities director, actually, when I was leading Cheers, he kind of interacted with me more than most of the other advisors. And he was the one who said, hey, like, you're you're a sports freak. If you're not playing (laughs) them, you're announcing them or talking about them in some way. Have you ever thought about doing sports broadcasting? Because I, I was going to be a teacher. I, I have a lot of friends who are teachers. My mom was a teacher. Mm-hmm. So I just thought, you know, that's a great way to give back and impact the youth. I'd never thought about it as a career because, again, there were so few women who were sports broadcasters when I was little. It was Linda Cohn and Robin Roberts on Sports Center, And that was it. I'd occasionally see Hannah Storm or Susie Colber, but it was mostly men, again. Yeah. So I didn't think about it until somebody, thankfully, smacked me upside the head and said, you should do this. Um, but as far as football, I was actually thinking about this this morning because I thought we might get into football. One of my earliest football memories, um, my dad, as a lot of parents do, had to work a bunch of jobs when we were little just to you know make ends meet. Sure. Uh, so he was an accountant on weekends. So he would go to this accountant's office and it was just him on Sundays. And because it was just him, he would bring me with him. And he asked the boss if we could watch the TV in the boss's office. And it was one of those super old, like, <laughs> fat TVs on the cart that they used to bring in. You're probably even too young for this, to watch movies when you were in elementary well, I school. Remember. Okay, so you're not... I got the tail end of that one. <laughs> okay, yeah. good, good. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad there's not that much of an age difference. Um, but my dad would be in his office, and he would plop me in front of his boss's TV, turn on the Niners game, give me a big bowl of pretzels, and I was... That was kind of my first foray into play-by-play. He would say, anytime a big play happens, come into my office and let me know. So That's super cool. Obviously yeah. didn't realize it at the time, but you're running back, Dad, Dad, Young to Rice, you know, 12-yard slant, they're into the red zone now. It's 7 nothing Niners, I'll keep you posted. And I would just do that every Sunday. Um, so that's one of my favorite, wow, I didn't realize what I was doing then would impact now memories, but, uh, but I love that one. That's super cool. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. You're doing play-by-play as, uh, I know. as a little girl. As a little girl. Know it. Yeah. Keep your dad posted so he can pay the bills yeah. for us. Yeah. That's cool. Um, can I ask uh, what, what your favorite sports were to play? Um, what sport did you want to play in college? And then also what your favorite sports were, aside from football, obviously, to yeah. watch? Yeah. Um, so soccer was my main sport that I loved. Soccer? Uh, yeah. It was my travel sport. So that's what I was planning to go to college and play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved it. It just something about the, the rhythm and the pace and the just continuity of it. Um, I liked basketball for the same reason, but I wasn't very good at basketball. So I just played it for fun <laughs> in high school with friends because uh, our travel soccer coach was one of those coaches who didn't really want us playing a sport at high school. Anyway. Um, so those were a couple of my favorites, but I also did, um, a couple of more individual sports because I liked the difference between playing a team sport and an individual. So I played tennis, uh, as well. And everybody used to make fun of me because I had hideous form. I didn't, I hit the ball flat. There was no top spin. I would, uh, hit backspin as well, but I was pretty much a soccer player or an athlete playing tennis. 
which was great because I would just play mind games with girls because they were so used to just playing another, I'll say it, country club girl who <laughs> has a really nice outfit and is going to just hit cross court until somebody hits it into the net. And as a soccer and basketball player, I didn't understand, like, why are you going to make this easy? Why am I just going to hit it to Jake cross court and not make him work? Like, no, yeah. I'm bringing, bringing her to the net. I'm lobbing it over her head. I'm hitting it at her face. Um, so I loved playing tennis as well. Uh, and then I did track. Uh, I was a sprinter and a jumper. And just same thing. I think there was so much just mental focus and toughness that was required that it was just, there was no ball. It was just you and can you hit your mark or can you run faster than the girl next to you? Can you get off mm -hmm. the blocks better? Um, so I love those sports as well. Um, and then watching, yeah, man, there's something about watching football. You guys are a fun sport to watch. Um, and growing up, it was 49ers football and Fresno State. And now, I mean, I love the NFL, but college football, it is one of my favorite sports to watch just because it truly feels like one of the few sports left that on any given week, anybody can beat anybody. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know the percentages, Jake. Not very many people are going to get to the next level. So a lot of these guys, this could be their last big highlight. This could be their sure. last big game, big rivalry game. Um, so I just love that aspect of college football. Um, and then obviously love watching Premier League soccer and all the big soccer leagues too. Those yeah. are my favorite sports to watch these days. Yeah. And and on the football point, um, I don't think I realized until I got to college how, and, and once I started playing, yeah. so not even a redshirt year, I guess I didn't really realize, but once you start playing, it really does feel like anyone can beat anyone. And it's like all these big name guys mm -hmm. who you see in the news, whatever, they're good players, but like, they're just guys like you are, you know what I mean? Yep. It's, I don't know. It was kind of mind-blowing to me when I got here and actually started playing in games that, like, it's really it's really so kind of even keel and it's the other things like um, culture sort of stuff that yep. really sets teams apart more so than, than the talent level of, of guys on teams. It's an interesting lesson and an interesting thing to see. Uh, first hand. Well, and I'm going to turn the tables on you for a second. Yeah, you can no, edit this out if you want, want to. But no, I've always want. wondered, uh, how, do, how do you think that happens? What do you think are the keys? Is it the coaching staff? Is it the guys you're with? Is it the culture? Because you see some teams that should be that team who can upset anybody because they do have the talent, but they can't mm -hmm. get there. And then see teams like you guys who, let's be honest, nobody expected you to beat UW last year. Mm -hmm. You beat them. Go down to USC, beat them. So what, what were the keys? What led to those big victories? Yeah, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. Um, I mean, the way, Coach Wilcox always says this, and I think it makes a lot of sense and agree with it, um, but he says we're somewhere between 20 and 120 in terms of talent level. So there's like 120 Division One football teams, right? Yeah. So we're somewhere between 20 and 120 in talent level. And it's the other, the things that aren't talent, aren't football that separate those teams um, within there. So part of it, right, you need guys that are willing to buy into a culture for a culture to work. So there's a lot of great coaches that I'm sure have done not so well a lot of places because you haven't, they haven't been able to get the, the players to hop on board with what they're doing right. or had one guy kind of help turn a bunch of other guys around but like 
I I feel that here um, our our thing is you know we're gonna be smarter than the other team so penalties right that can be USC may have had a chance to win the game but they got a big penalty against us yeah so that's one thing right like if you can control that kind of stuff um, and really keeping a work ethic instilled where no one thinks that they're I don't want to use the word safe, but like essentially safe. Like yeah. you, you aren't so special that um, you cannot practice and then go play in the game, or you can go miss a bunch of class and still have your starting job. Like everything matters and everything goes into it. But I do. I think culture is the biggest thing that separates those teams. Because again, that twenty to one twenty thing is like if you're those top twenty teams, you have a bad game. Maybe you have enough talent to go beat somebody. Yeah, but. Where we can't win games on talent alone. Most of the teams in the country can't win games on talent alone. Yeah. So it's those culture things, um, making sure guys are going to class, uh, doing what they're supposed to for school. Guys aren't missing workouts. People don't get dumb penalties. You know, you're going to get some penalties here and there. Yeah. But, like, there's a lot of avoidable stuff. Um, everything just kind of stays orderly and... It's enforced by the team itself rather than the uh, figures that actually have the the hierarchical hierarchical power, like the coaches. Yeah, and like stuff. the coaches yeah. and stuff like that. When you that. guys are holding each other accountable, exactly, that makes a huge difference. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, thank you for letting that's, me in I mean, on that. Yeah, so I mean, I've I've been here through. I've had two different head coaches, so yeah. um, that's just my my little input and in the the longer I'm here and the more guys that I talk to that play at other schools yeah. I mean those are kind of the things that I feel like are are what help separate uh, teams at this level um, anyway shifting the focus back to you <laughs> sorry oh, sorry no it's totally okay I love if you have any more questions for me go ahead and ask them because okay. I like I like giving my input as well um, so going back to you though you were uh, so you have this clear passion for sports um, one of the ways that manifested itself was in becoming a mic man. What else did you do while you were in college um, to to follow that passion and really get after that? Uh, I was the biggest nerd while I was here at Cal ever, Jake. Um, I was so I was a mic man, um, but before that, because you can't audition or try out until you're a sophomore, till or at least that was the rule when I was uh, here, because you gotta get a year of football under your belt and kinda sure. watch the current Mike man, understand the cheers and all that stuff. Uh, so you know the kids with the blue and gold rugby shirts, usually in the front left, if you're looking at the student section. Sure, yeah. Uh, the rally committee. So I was a rally committee member all four years, uh, and I had a blast, because just like with any organization, right, the membership shifts just depending on who's there for the four years. But when I was there, it was a lot of former athletes like myself who played a lot of sports in high school, either got injured or didn't want to play a sport or whatever the reason was once they got to college, but were obsessed about sports and wanted to be able to support our student athletes in whatever way we could. Uh, so I was part of the rally committee, which was so much fun. I mean, things that probably hardcore Cal fans know, but other people don't, the card stunts that are done during halftime. Like that was invented here at Cal. And now you see it at Super Bowls and all over the place. And that was a Cal invention. Uh, when you're a freshman, you get to be on Cannon Crew one week. So got to see the Cannon is hidden away someplace. Only a few people know where it's actually stored during the week. So 
we'll wake up at the crack of dawn, got to go pick it up in the big truck and then lower it down the hill, which was terrifying because <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Camden platform has been redone since we did it. So there was like lots of uh, pulleys off of the back of trucks and we just kept thinking oh, to ourselves, don't be, the, don't be the eight kids who drop this all the way down the hill and screw a cow tradition forever. Um, I got to be in charge of the big game bonfire rally one year. I was the uh, commissioner of rallies, I think was the uh, title that made me sound super cool and feel really good about myself. But bonfire rally, I don't know if you got to be a, a part of one because I know that it's, I did, it's been yeah. canceled a couple of times. Um, but the Friday night before big game, and it's always extra special when the game's here at Cal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's the biggest bonfire uh, west of the Mississippi. It's, and it's very hot. In the Greek theater, and it's you can't be anywhere hot. close yeah. to it. But, you know, we haven't been sleeping all week because... Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but I'll let you guys in on it. When you're a big nerd, you're part of, uh, we call it CG, Campus Guarding, during Big Game Week. Um, And that entailed the usual freshmen and sophomores sleeping all around campus. Like, people slept at the Big C. People slept at uh, Sturdy, which is the name of the Big Bear here right near Memorial Stadium, uh, just off of Piedmont Avenue. There's a there's a statue of Pappy just down the hill. Kids uh-huh. would sleep there. Um, you know, people would sleep near the Campanile. And it was, so by the end of the week, you were absolutely exhausted. And then you have to wake up at 5 in the morning and start putting these pallets together to build um, the bonfire uh the world to build the bonfire so that was something i did i was also uh an ra and a security coordinator so i, so I lived in the dorms all four years just because i uh-huh. loved i loved seeing the new freshman class come in every year because you just it's so fun to see how much the kids grow from the day they get here on welcome week to the end of their freshman year sometimes it's good sometimes it's bad sometimes it's a struggle you know um, but i loved being a part of that uh gosh I think that was the majority of what I did. And I went to class occasionally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I went to class a lot until I realized my senior year um, that you can take some pass-fail classes, which I knew that earlier, but I never took any of those. So hopefully you're taking advantage of a couple of those that are outside <laughs> yeah. your major. Yeah, all my classes left were pretty much major stuff, so <laughs> I'm locked in there. But Good. I, I, I did get a couple of those in before before I got uh, into all major classes. Good, good. So that was all my extracurricular, and then, yeah, I started working um, while I was at a basketball game. I think it was my sophomore year. I saw a dude with a camera on the court, and I saw him at multiple games, so I just went up to him after a game and asked him, hey, what are you doing? Like, who are you shooting for? Do you need any interns? Because I'd been told that's how you get into the industry you want to be in. You start as an intern, and he said, hey, I'm the producer of the Cal Sports Report. My name's Paul Aldridge. It's a once-a-week once highlight show. Mike Pulaski was the host. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, actually, we don't have any internships, but I've been looking for a student to start doing some stuff for me for free if you're cool with that. And I said, great. So I did that for the final three years while I was a mic man. Gave me a camera. I just kind of learned to shoot. And, you know, you listen to stuff uh, after you do it, and you're like, oh, crap, I was too close to the microphone that time. You have to do it again. So just kind of trial by yep. error. Um the Nike website wanted to have like a student person write about the basketball team and because I was so visible on campus and people knew again my passion for sports uh somebody in the athletic department said hey Kate should be the one to write about the Cal basketball team so I got to do that um so I got to be involved in a lot of stuff yeah the Bear Insider was a blog before there was blogs um which was just like all Cal fans talking about Cal sports all the time uh-huh. so I did some writing for them got to go to my first women's college world series out in Oklahoma City when the 
women were super good at softball back in the early OOs and kind of write a day-by-day diary, which was great. Um, so I did a little bit of everything. I was really, really lucky. And um, there's no way I'm here without the people I met and the things I did while I was here at Cal. Yeah, that's really awesome. All the, all the you know, sports involvement you got to have uh, without actually playing or yeah. being, being a student athlete yeah. the way that you were able to keep it as such a big part of your life and I mean, eventually turn it into to your career. But that's really cool to hear about. And when you talk about just going up to a guy and uh, asking what you can do to help, it's like I feel like people get now, people get kind of shy about doing that stuff. And it's like yeah. just for me, the way I relate it um, is this podcast that I'm doing because it was born of me reaching out to people and that's how the idea helped, you know, come to fruition. But, yeah. um, and, you know, I started, started to really realize the value in just doing that. And there's really no harm and people are more than happy to help in any way that they can. Or they're going to say no and that's... And then they say and no. And that's not bad. But yeah. so many, as I'm sure you've learned, um, one of the best ways that I have found, and I'm sure you have too, to start a conversation with people is just being honest about what you don't know. So, mm. because so many people want to be thought of as wise and want to share the wisdom that they've gained through whatever life experiences they've had. So, one of the easiest things you can do to make people talk is, oh man, it looks like what you're doing is really cool. Tell me about it. How'd you get into it? And, yeah. you know, then all of a sudden you've got a podcast because you've had a bunch of passionate people help you out. And I mean, and that's really what this podcast is, is you know. <laughs> Tell me how you got into to what you're doing yeah. and, and tell me what you've learned from it. And and I've said this on other episodes, but I'm going to say it again. I, I learned so much with each episode that I do, with each interview that I do, just by asking about these things that I don't know about and learning about different people's journeys. Yeah. Um, so on that note, let's get back to your journey. Uh, <laughs> I'm distracting no, us again. No, no, it's okay. It's it happens. Pl- it's plenty okay. <laughs> um, so after college, um, you made a transition to radio stuff, which mm-hmm. when you think about the background of being a little girl and going in and telling your dad what's going on or um, understanding what's going on in the game so that you can do the right cheers as uh, a mic man... It doesn't seem that far-fetched, you know, <laughs> but uh, what were some of the initial things you learned when you when you first started having to, to do broadcasting yourself? Well, radio uh, is a lot harder than I think it seems. I think a lot of people think, get me a microphone, I'll sit down, and I'm just going to chat, and I'll share my opinion. Um, but there's clocks that you got to pay attention to and uh, advertisers and sometimes there's somebody talking in your ear while you're talking um sounds distracting <laughs> it is it takes it, te- it takes definitely getting used to um but uh the big thing for me when i started in sports radio because i started actually as a traffic reporter and news anchor and sports anchor and stuff and slowly transitioned just into sports because that was again the, the passion that's what sure. i wanted to do um, but sports radio is kind of the, the last frontier, I think. That's what a lot of people have said when it comes to women in sport, because it's not, it doesn't matter what you look like. 
uh, it doesn't matter who you know. If you get on a mic and the red light is on and you suck, <laughs> you're going to last a week, maybe, if you're lucky. Uh-huh. Like You just have to know sports and you have to have a, a, a pleasing voice, whatever that means, because there's so many different voices in radio. But you have to have a voice that enough people like that you don't get kicked off the air. And then you got to be pretty close to perfect because that's what I learned in my first about six months. That was the hardest um, transition I had out of any of the firsts that I that I have um, been lucky enough to accomplish. Um, that I remember. I wish I remember, I should know the quarterback's name. It was either backup or third string quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. Um, and I got the name slightly wrong. I think I, I think I said, let's see, what is it? Ken Wisenhunt was the coach down there for a while. Yeah. Um, and was it Charlie Whitehurst something? Anyway, there was a W, and I think I said Charlie Wisenhunt. Even though I knew the guy's name, and Twitter existed at this point, uh-huh. and literally for weeks get this chick off the radio. She has no idea what she's talking about. Who who did she know at the station? Who did she sleep with at the station? Because I got one backup quarterback's name wrong. So is that, because I, I asked you earlier about yeah. um, the Mike Mann situation, if you, you experienced any backlash for being the first female there. Um, in radio, is, is that when you first started to really feel backlash for yeah. being in a, in a new frontier in a yeah. new area? Yeah. Um, I mean, there was a, a couple of people at Cal who said things to me, but yeah, that was the first. I don't think I realized how public of a job it was because, you know, I'd been on the radio as a traffic reporter for five years. Yeah. So a ton of people know who I am, or so I thought. Um, but taking the jump to KNBR, it was, oh, there's hundreds of thousands of people listening every day and you better be on it. So yeah, that was the first time I experienced backlash and it was really hard at the time, but now I'm so thankful because in this industry and probably in a lot of industries that are public facing, you need thick skin Mm because even if you do a great job, even if you're perfect at what you do, there's going to be those people who for some reason, your name, your voice, the school you went to in high school, they're just going to hate you. And it's hard for somebody like me who likes pleasing people and likes making as many people happy as I can to wrap my head around that, that somebody might not like me just because. And there is absolutely nothing I can do to fix that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a really good lesson because the older you get and the more, I guess, uh, public-facing jobs you get, (laughs) Uh, the more people are going to be crude to you and rude to you, and especially these days with so many different social media um, outlets, people are just, a lot of times it has nothing to do with you, but they're going to want to blow off steam. So yeah, that was the the start of it, but thankfully uh, I proved my worth and it died down, and now I just take that as a great lesson for it's okay, people are going to say stuff and you just got to keep working your tail off. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, it gets easier um, the more that you've heard things, and I'm sure the noise does die down a little bit, but being still being a woman in sports and having a voice, um, to this day, are there still people that are not okay with that and, and vocalize that? Yeah, there are. Um, I'm, I don't know if lucky is the right word. I'm not as opinionated as some of my 
uh, friends are who are women in the sports industry as well. Yeah. So I don't, because of that, because I don't voice my opinion a lot on social media, um, I don't deal with a lot of backlash. But uh, all you have to do is, you know, Sarah Spain is a friend of mine. Just wait for her to say something and then read the replies. Just wait for any woman. But this, I I feel like it has branched out past women, especially over the last few years. um, And that's one of the reasons I'm really struggling with social media these days. I'd be interested to hear from a college student's perspective, too. Um, I used to love it because it was a fun way to interact. And it felt like I was connecting with people who I couldn't connect with otherwise, either Mm -hmm. because they lived far away or they were at work and it, it, it just felt like it was bringing us closer together. Yeah. And now I feel like it is just a place filled with vitriol and kind of tearing us apart. So I'm not on it nearly as much as I used to be um, because it seems like that backlash, which maybe used to just be directed towards women in sports, now it's really directed towards anyone who has any sort of opinion yeah. whatsoever. It used to be a conversation and now it feels like it's just a screaming match. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've been on it long enough to to see a change like that at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when it comes down to it, it's just everyone kind of thinks they're experts in everything. Yeah. Um, and has, and, and this is a lot of, it wasn't, it didn't have to do with sports, but um, I spoke a little bit about the political climate with yeah. a former professor of mine um, in an earlier episode of this podcast. And that was one of the things it's like, People just don't have the ability to listen and change their mind. Everyone's just so yeah. set in stone. And that's what I mean by think, think, thinking they're an expert. Mm-hmm. It's like they, they couldn't fathom the possibility that they could be wrong or be thinking about something in a different way than mm-hmm. somebody else. Um, and I do think social media probably exacerbates that because you, you're able to have a voice and, and put something out there and... I don't know if that gives people confidence or what it is, but that's, I mean, I think people just think they know too much and aren't, aren't willing to learn more. Yeah, or not wanting to. Or not wanting to learn yeah, more. Yeah, I know. And and I, I hope that that swings back the other way. Um, because in the early days, like I don't, I don't even have a personal Facebook account anymore. I just have a page um, for the Pac-12. Um, but I remember I used to have really long conversations with people who I went to high school with. Uh, Fresno and Clovis is a really conservative area, uh, for the most part. And I came out in college, so there was lots of people who I went to high school with who were really confused and wanted to know about it, and just Prop 8 was coming up on the ballot in 2008. And so I hope that thanks to that, and I I never told them how to vote or I just answered questions, how something would affect me, why it mattered to me, how it could impact them. And we had some really wonderful conversations and I'm still in touch with those people. Um, And we thank each other for being so open and being willing to have those difficult conversations, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And then I look at things these days and I think it's just hard to, you know, either 140 or 280 or whatever the Twitter character count is these days to have meaningful <laughs> kind of conversations and get people, and nobody's going to change their mind instantly, but just yeah. have maybe more thoughtful conversations sure. where people don't feel like they're being yelled at. So anyway, tangent again, what do you know? But yeah, that was, uh, I think the question started with, was the first little time at KNBR the, the biggest backlash I faced, and so far, yeah. So good learning, good learning experience. Yeah, and what about uh, transitioning to actual 
play-by-play for games because mm-hmm. I think you. So you're the first woman who's done an NFL play-by-play on the radio, Correct, right? Yeah. And one of the first to do a TV broadcast play-by-play. So, what what was that like? Was it surreal to be calling a, a real professional football game? <laughs> like, just take me through all of it. Yeah, uh, it was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> it was surreal. Um, I've told the story before, so I, I won't rehash it, but pretty much program director Lee Hammer, who was in charge of KNBR, called me into his office, just like the one we're sitting in today here at Cal, and said, hey, the, the 49ers are on the phone, and speakerphone, and Bob Sargent, a couple other guys in the communications department say, hey, um, we love everything you bring to KNBR, we've been listening, because I was doing uh, high school play-by-play here in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Thanks to that first contact, the guy who I tapped on the shoulder my sophomore year at Cal, That's Paul awesome. Aldridge, he, this is what happens, right? As yeah. your careers grow, you both branch into different things. So he, by then, was producing a high school uh, football package here in the Bay Area. And he had an opening on the B crew, and he said, hey, I'd love for you to, I think you'd be great at this. Why don't you come do this? You know, we're doing De La Salle and Palo Alto and all these, <laughs> it's hilarious how many Pac-12 guys I got to cover in high school regardless. So they'd heard me doing that, and they said, we'd love to have you call a couple of preseason games. You know, Ted Robinson's going to be in Rio for the Olympics. Fitz is going to be bumped up to TV. So how do you feel about calling a couple of games? And I, <laughs> I just said, holy shit, guys, I, I have no idea. Um, let me think about this. And I was terrified, but I knew after I slept on it that I had to do it because mm-hmm. fear is something that, as I'm sure you know through sports, and you'll learn more when you get into whatever it is you do after college um it's just kind of always there and you just have to I have learned to at least attempt to be friends with it and just kind of have it pull up a chair next to me and keep working through it because uh all of the things that I've been the most afraid of like doing play-by-play for the 49ers like calling football games for the Pac-12 they have propelled me further than any of the things I have thought oh this is cake uh, this is easy. I know how to do this because it's pushing you out of your comfort zone, right? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it was it was a ton. I mean, I was at uh, OTAs. I tried to do as much as possible. I probably went above and beyond. Um, and I think a lot of this is just because a woman, again, I didn't want to mess it up. I didn't want to set the gender back 25 years because mm-hmm. I knew that I was the first woman they were ever allowing on the radio to call an NFL game. So, like, don't screw it up. At least be decent so that someone in the future might get a chance to. Um, so I was down at practice at Levi's every single day. I made uh, three by five index cards with a number on one side because, as you know, that's all you see. Uh-huh. Guy's name and position and everything on the back, and would memor- would go through a different position group each day until I literally had all of them. And you know, it's the first game of preseason, so there's 90 guys on Tiny each guys. team. Yep. <laughs> Why did I say yes to that assignment <laughs> again? Um, but it was it was a great learning experience, and then getting to actually be there in Levi's, and then getting to the second game was a mile high. I mean, and the Broncos had won the Super Bowl. It was just it was wild getting to be a part of that. Um, and then yeah, for the Pac-12, called a couple of games the last couple of years. Going to be calling uh, at least one Cal game this year. North Texas go. Week Three. I know I can't. I want to say go Bears, but I probably shouldn't. Uh, and then you can say it now. Okay, it's not go, on the, go Bears. Yeah. Go Bears. Hopefully not too many North Texas people. <laughs> Uh, and then another game in October, so I'll, I'll get to call my first conference game this year. But it's a work in progress because yeah. I think football is the hardest sport to call. 
um, for me at least, because you're way higher than all the other sports you call. Because you know, basketball, volleyball, I'm courtside. Soccer, I'm twenty rows up, maybe. Uh-huh. Um, softball, same thing, twenty rows up. Uh, you guys have faces that, or you, you guys have masks and helmets that cover your entire face. So I can't, you know, see your great curly hair, Jake, and your cool <laughs> specs and in warm ups and know, okay, that there's that identifier. Um, so uh, just the distance and the fact that a lot of you guys look the same makes it a little more difficult. Sure. And then there's just so much going on too. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm still a work in progress. I think I am getting better. I appreciate everyone's patience with me um, <laughs> because, you know, it's just about reps, just like playing football. You got to get reps. So, yeah. I don't know if I answered that question. No, you for sure did. It's a lot terrifying, all the things. Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. Probably how you feel maybe before going out there. Maybe terrifying, isn't it, in uh, your pregame Maybe, maybe the anyway. first game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if you don't mind, yeah. I just want you to, um, before we started recording, you were explaining, you know, you've been the first at so many of these different things, but the goal wasn't to be the first. And if you don't mind just rehashing that point, because... I think it's important for people to hear. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really uncomfortable for me to talk about the firsts. <laughs> I know there's been a lot of them. I totally get it. It's a, it's a great storyline with the Mike Mann and KNBR and then with the football games and stuff. But they've all just been passions of mine. Um, and I don't think I would have accomplished them and been at least relatively successful at them had it just been, I want to be the first person to do this, right? Mm -hmm. Because so much work went into learning the cheers and trying out to be a mic man and putting up with the stuff I did at KNBR when I started. And the prep for football games is insane compared to the other sports that I call. Um, So I think if I had just wanted to be the first for the notoriety, it would have been bad for everyone involved. Um, but the fact that I have been the first has been just really special because of the impact that it's had on others. Um, because really at the end of the day for me, that's, that's why I do this, uh, to hopefully have everybody who's watching the game that I'm calling have a great time and, and enjoy it. But, uh, if I can, encourage one young girl or one young boy or whoever I had so many women at Cal who were in their 60s and 70s when I was a yell leader when I was a mic man come up to me in the bathroom before the game when I was getting ready say you're such an inspiration that was something I would have loved to do when I was a Cal but we couldn't because of the time when I was here so thank you mm. for thank you for doing this you're great at it we love you um, and obviously the same thing with, you know, I got so many great emails from dads who would listen to KNBR in the morning driving their daughters to school and say, my daughter loves hearing you on the radio. And she never said this before, but now that we've listened to you for the last two years, she thinks she might want to do sports radio. Um, you know, those are the things that make me just so grateful that my passion led me to do something that was important to some other people um, and may, down the road, uh, make it so that there's more people who look and sound like me doing what I'm doing now. Makes all the the harder times worth it, for sure. Yeah. Awesome. 
Um, so before we get into the final three questions, uh, I do want to ask a little bit about your other passion that we briefly mentioned. <laughs> but uh, when you first got out of college, you said you were also working at restaurants up in Napa and you've, you've got a passion for food and wine. Um, how, did, how did that come about and, and what steps do you take to still kind of get be involved in, in that area. <laughs> I eat and I drink. Yeah, excellent <laughs> Pretty steps. much. Excellent steps. <laughs> and I watch Top Chef <laughs> and, and Chef's Table. Um, it, no, I mean, when I was, uh, yeah, when I was at Cal, uh, I paid my way through school. Um, my parents definitely helped, but I was on Pell Grants and I was trying to get every scholarship I could because didn't grow up with a lot of money. Um, and I am a helper. I've been working since I was 15. So I worked at the deli counter at Saul's Restaurant Delicatessen uh-huh. over on Shattuck, slinging uh, Reuben sandwiches and matzo ball soup. Delicious uh, stuff. So good. Oh, my gosh. And you get a free lunch, and like, <laughs> the day is made. Um, so I did that for three years during school, and then right after I graduated, I started waiting tables uh, at the Sunnyside Cafe, which now there's one right close to campus at the bottom of campus. Um, but when I first started working, it was over on Solano uh, Avenue in Albany. Super good breakfast uh, and brunch food. And that was that's kind of always been my favorite meal. So I thought, why not work then? And plus, it allows you to work in sports because most sports are at night. Um, so worked there and just had a blast because both of them, our family-run restaurants um, and getting to see the nuts and bolts and how difficult it is to make ends meet at a restaurant and mm. why are the prices raising? Oh, because the cost of the pastrami went up and that's the person we have to order from because one of the reasons people come here is because of the way the, the meat is raised. So there was just so much that I didn't understand um, that goes into it. And it's kind of like a team, right? I miss that team aspect of sport that... Um, you don't always get when you're working covering sports and working at a restaurant is like a team it's like a ballet you know if you're not doing a great job communicating with the bussers and the food runners and the chefs and line cooks and stuff then it could make for a really bad service um, and actually while I was at Saul's um, somebody came in a woman named Jessica and she was doing takeout and she asked me uh, you know what I was gonna do after graduation and I said well I'm waiting tables at the, the Sunnyside Cafe and I don't know, I'd love to work in wine country if I could. And she said, well, actually, I work at Dariush Winery in Napa on the Silverado Trail, and we're looking to hire people for the summer. <laughs> so again, kind of just saying out loud what your passion is yeah. and what you want to do. So she gave me her card, and she said, hey, if you're serious, follow up, because we're going to be doing interviews the next few weeks. Uh, so I did and went up there, and it was hilarious. Uh, the guy, Kevin, who interviewed me had done a small Google search on me at the time. He was a USC grad. Oh, okay. <laughs> and his first question was, so I see you're a Cal Mike man. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, so should I just leave now? And, <laughs> but it was great because that was for most of the interview. We just talked about sports. Yeah. Because that's what people, the majority of people just want to work with someone they enjoy spending time with. Sure. So, Got that gig, poured wine at the tasting bar at Dariush for six or seven months um, before starting in radio, getting my first radio internship and getting back into the broadcasting industry. But I love that industry. People who I met when I worked at Dariush, I'm still in touch with, and they are all still in the food and wine industry. 
Uh, my sister-in-law lives in Napa. My mother-in-law lives in Sonoma. So up there as much as we can. Yep. Uh, researching. Sure. For the passion. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> and uh, got a barbecue a couple years ago. So really just trying to, that's one of the few ways that I relax is um, trying to figure out new recipes and cook and stuff. And I'm still very much a beginner. But it's just a kind of... Probably the word yogi, one of your previous guests, one of my coworkers would use is zen. Just kind of one of those times where uh-huh. you can't really do anything else. When you're cutting an onion, you better focus on that or you're going to lose a finger or something. So sure. it forces me to slow down. So uh, if the broadcasting stuff ends, I could definitely see myself going back into that industry. Awesome. So let's jump into the final three questions then. All right, let's do it. So the first one, uh, can you give the audience one thing that you've read, watched, or listened to lately that you think they should check out? Ooh, that is a good one. I knew some. I, I did research because I like knowing what's coming, but I like not knowing about these last few questions. <laughs> well, I'm almost done with a book that my dad gave me actually, um, and Rocket Girls are the big words on the cover, uh, and I believe the full title of the book is The Rise of the Rocket Girls. Um, and it is very similar to Hidden Figures, the movie about the African-American women who helped out with NASA that came sure, out a couple yeah. years ago. But it's even more in-depth. And it has just blown me away because before there was computers, there was just people who were computers because they were computing things. Yeah. Um, and it talks about the birth. And it, it's this company called JPL. I don't want to give away too much, but... The Jet Propulsion Laboratory, they wanted to put rocket in their name, but people thought rockets were crazy back in the day. Um, And anyway, uh, a number of the first people hired were women because they were really great at it. And then the woman who got made manager made it a point to only hire women from there moving forward. And it's just kind of the story of how they turned into NASA and how different... um, computers, actual computers came into it and how they were used and not used and working with uh, different countries, space organizations. And I just found it really fascinating because it's totally different than what I usually worry about and think about in my day-to-day life. So the rise of the rocket world, check it out. And it's quick read too. All right. No, that sounds super interesting. Um, The next question, who or what was your biggest inspiration to figuring out what you're passionate about and acting on it? Wow. Who? Or what? Yeah. Hmm. Because there's been so many people who've helped me get here. Um, But I'll go back. Yeah, I had forgotten about this. So I told you earlier, when I was a little girl, Linda Cohn and Robin Roberts were the only female faces I saw in SportsCenter when I was little. And... Obviously, I'm white, so Linda was the woman who I looked to and looked more like me than Robin. (laughs) Um, So she was like the woman I looked up to. And when I got to Cal my freshman year, uh, I sent her a handwritten letter just explaining to her, I made it to Cal, I'm a huge sports fan. Um, uh, She was a huge, she's a huge hockey person. So I explained like when the Rangers won it in 94, that was when I fell in love with hockey. And uh, my freshman year here at Cal, the Diamondbacks beat the Yankees in the World Series and it was so much fun. Everybody was watching together in the lounge, so I talked about that moment. And I just thanked her for being an inspiration and said, if you ever, I'm sure you get thousands of things of fan mail, but if you ever feel like responding, here's my email, I don't expect you to write me back. 
didn't hear anything for like nine months. And I think it was about April, so almost end of the school year. I'm in a triple uh, in Unit th- 3. Was I in Unit 3 when I started? Anyway, so old. <laughs> and all of a sudden, just sitting in my dorm room with my roommates, and an email pops up from Linda Cohn. And wow. it says, thanks so much for the note. Oh, my gosh, your passion was just coming through your letter. You know, the best way to do it is just what you're thinking. you got to intern, meet as many people as you can. It was really short. It's like a paragraph. But sure. Thanks so much. And I printed that sucker out and had it framed <laughs> in every other dorm room I lived in during my time here at Cal. And I still have it somewhere. That's awesome. Um, it, it, because, I mean, the woman, the person that you grew up yeah. idolizing or making your role model um, to actually get a response that was that just blew me away so even though it annoys my wife anytime anyone sends me a much lesser person than Linda Cohn anything like that I always make sure to respond even if it's just with a couple of lines because you never know when right. you could inspire the next person to, to, to do something that's pretty awesome that's amazing yeah so the very last question I have for you is what is your current goal Mm. current goal so many I want to do a better job calling football this year that's a big one since we're here in football because uh, there's a huge difference between radio play-by-play and TV play-by-play right because radio you can't see anything sure you need more description and TV just shut up use as few words as possible when you're the play-by-play because nobody wants to hear you they want to hear the analyst um, and they just want to watch the game right so that's really what I'm focusing on. Use fewer words, talk less, um, don't fake emotion, be as honest as you can, which is you know, hard sometimes, because last year I had you guys taken on Idaho State. It wasn't the prettiest game. It was a relatively lopsided game by the second half, so you know, be as honest and, and trust my gut as much as possible and don't have to fake enthusiasm. So that's it, and then don't know if it's gonna happen, but Olympics are uh, a big goal of mine, so. Don't know if it's going to be Tokyo 2020 um, or the next games after that, but those are the next few things. So awesome. really recent goal and then not not too distant future goal too. Awesome. Sounds incredible. Well, Kate, this year, if people uh, want to hear more of your voice, um, what games should they be listening to or what radio stations? <laughs> uh, a lot of Pac-12 network games. So uh, doing Cal, uh, North Texas, week three. And then uh, potentially back for you guys, Oregon State, or could be Wazoo, Colorado. I believe it's October 19th. And then calling a ton of women's volleyball, Cal and Stanford, because they're not traveling as much this year, understandably. Wanted to save money for us so we can give more back to the schools. Um, And then a bunch of Stanford and Cal soccer as well, men's and women's. So just keep it on that Pac-12 network. You can follow me at Kate T. Scott on Twitter. And... uh, yeah, just really looking forward to the season getting underway, me Jake. Too. Thanks me for having too. me, buddy. Yeah, it's been no, awesome. Thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your day to come over here to the beautiful University of California, <laughs> Berkeley. <laughs> the prettiest campus in all of the land. I agree. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Kate, and uh, looking forward to whatever the future holds. Right back at you, Jake. Thanks for having me, man. It's been a pleasure. Go Bears. Go Bears. An oldie but a goodie. Um, man, Kate is so cool. It's such a pleasure to get to talk to her and, and get to know her. Um, and I hope you guys love that as much as I did. Stay tuned for another episode tomorrow. Keep staying safe, stay inside, and stay stignatious.